Welcome to Biblical Tapestry Podcast Season 6, Episode 4, A Study in the Book of Jeremiah. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. Today we see how Jeremiah used a series of metaphors to emphasize the faithlessness of Judah. The people had forgotten all that God had done. How could they love a God they did not know? So this void of love was filled with idolatry and a stubborn refusal to turn back to God. Turn now to Jeremiah chapter 2, starting in verse 20. For long ago I broke your yoke and burst your bonds, but you said, I will not serve. Yes, on every high hill and under every green tree you bowed down like a whore. Yet I planted you in a choice vine, holy of pure seed, How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? Though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord. How can you say, I am not unclean, I have not gone after the bales? Look at your way in the valley, know that what you have done, a restless young camel running here and there, a wild donkey used to the wilderness in her heat, sniffing the wind who can restrain her lust none who seek her need weary themselves in her mouth they will find her keep your feet from going unshod and your throat from thirst but you said it is hopeless for i have loved foreigners and after them i will go as a thief is shamed when caught so the house of israel shall be shamed they their kings their officials their priests and their prophets who say to a tree You are my father, and to a stone you gave me birth. For they have turned their back to me, and not their face. But at the time of their trouble they say, Arise and save us. But where are your gods that you made for yourself? Let them arise, if they can save you in your time of trouble. For as many as your cities are your gods, O Judah. Why do you contend with me? You have all transgressed against me, declares the Lord. In vain have I struck your children, they took no correction. Your own sword devoured your prophets, like a ravening lion. And you, O generation, behold the word of the Lord, have I been a wilderness to Israel, or a land of thick darkness? Why then do my people say, We are free, we will come no more to you? Can a virgin forget her ornaments, or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me, days without number how well you direct your course to seek love so that even to wicked women you have taught your ways also on your skirts is found the lifeblood of the guiltless poor you did not find them breaking in yet in spite of all these things you say i am innocent surely his anger has turned from me behold i will bring you to judgment for saying i have not sinned how much you go about changing your way you shall be put to shame by egypt as you were put to shame by Assyria, for it too you will come away with your hands on your head. For the Lord has rejected those in whom you trust, and you will not prosper by them. Great stuff there. Let's go back to verse 20. For long ago I broke your yoke and burst your bonds, but you said, I will not serve. Yes, on every high hill and under every green tree you bow down like a whore. Wow. Jeremiah was given some very dramatic language and metaphors to set the record straight with Judah. 
In verse 20, we see an ox that has broken his yoke and refuses to serve the master. Now remember back in Exodus 24, 3, that the nation accepted the covenant with God and now refuses to serve and would rather bow down to the Canaanite deities. Now, the second part of this verse refers to Judah as a prostitute that serves fertility rites under trees and in the high places. We read in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 22, And Judah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins that they committed, more than all that their fathers had done. For they also built for themselves high places and pillars in Asherim on every high hill and under every green tree. And there were also male cult prostitutes in the land. They did according to all the abominations of the nations that the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. We also read from Ezekiel, who was taken captive later to Babylon, who was a contemporary of Jeremiah. In Ezekiel 6.13, And you shall know that I am the Lord when their slain lie among their idols, around their altars, on every high hill, there it is again, on all the mountaintops, under every green tree, and under every leafy oak, wherever they offered pleasing aroma to all their idols. And I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land desolate and waste in all their dwelling places from the wilderness to Reblah. Then they will know that I am the Lord. God is not mixing words or metaphors here. Verse 21 says, Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? So the second metaphor is showing Israel as a choice vine coming from good stock, which would be the seed of Abraham. But instead of a great harvest, the vine went wild and corrupt. It did not produce the fruit that God had desired. Verse 22 says, Though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord God. Now we see in verse 22 that it is impossible for Judah to wash away its own sins. The guilt remains before God. And although they scrub with lye and soap, in other words, a mineral alkaline like soda and a vegetable alkaline, no amount of sacrifice would cover the multitude of sins that Judah had. Verse 23 says, How can you say, I am not unclean, I have not gone after the bales? Look at your way in the valley, know that what you have done, a restless young camel running here and there. So in verse 23, Judah is claiming innocence that they did not run after the idol Baal or worship him. However, there is plenty of evidence to the contrary. The valley mentioned was the Valley of Hinnom, where Judah was known to practice child sacrifice and worship Baal. And there were all sorts of other pagan practices that were occurring in this valley. Just as King Ahaz had done, which was Josiah's great-great-grandfather in Second Chronicles 28.1. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the eye of eyes of the Lord, as his father David had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, he even made metal images for the Baals, and he made offerings in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and burned his sons as an offering according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. 
Now God goes on speaking through Jeremiah to describe Judah as a she-camel wandering aimlessly in the desert. And he goes further with that in verses 24 and 25. A wild donkey used to the wilderness in her heat, sniffing the wind. Who can restrain her lust? None who seek her need weary themselves. In her mouth they will find her. Keep your feet from going unshod and your throat from thirst. But you said, It is hopeless, for I have loved foreigners, and after them I will go. So from a wandering camel to a wild donkey in heat. Any animal consumed by carnal lust would be the rude explanation here, but that's exactly what he's calling Israel. It's very descriptive of how Judah sought other idols. The people were obsessed looking for the next idol to worship. Judah had no desire to change regardless of the many decades of prophets that had come, explaining the consequences of rejecting God. And in verse 25, Jeremiah is referring to the desert wanderings when God had cared for Israel because their sandals did not wear out and they never lacked for water. We read in Deuteronomy 29.5, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn off your feet. And then in Exodus 17.6, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it and the people will drink. And Moses did so on the side of the elders of Israel. But how did Israel and Judah respond? They respond by saying, It is hopeless to follow God, so we will go after foreigners and foreign idols that we have loved. Verse 26 says, As a thief is shamed when caught, so the house of Israel shall be shamed, they, their kings, their officials, their priests, and their prophets. Shame will come upon the house of Israel just as the shame for a thief who was caught in the act. This is inclusive of the leadership of Israel shown here as the kings, the officials, the priests, and there are many false prophets. Verse 27 through 28 shows us the folly of adultery. You say to a tree, you are my father. And you say to a stone, you gave me birth. Both of those are ridiculous, by the way. But for they have turned their back to me and not their face. For the time of their trouble, they say, arise and save us. But where are your gods that you made for yourself? Let them arise if they can save you in your time of trouble. For as many as your cities are your gods, O Judah. So again, the folly of, folly of idolatry is being demonstrated here by Jeremiah as God speaks through him. Humans are created in the image of God. But these humans chose to worship the lesser created elements, including rocks and trees, or figures carved from rocks and trees. Paul writes in Romans 1.21, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. However, when things got really tough, then the people would, as a last resort, turn to God, wanting an immediate relief from the situation, arise and save us. God's reply to that is, Hey, where are your gods you made for yourself? You chose them as your gods. Let them arise and save you. 
now the foolishness is palpable. They had many hundreds of gods, as many gods as they had cities. Why couldn't those gods in volume alone save Judah? Because they were lifeless chunks of wood and stone. Judah has no case against God. Verse 29 says, Why do you contend with me? You have all transgressed against me, declares the Lord. In vain I have struck your children. They took no correction. Your own sword devoured your prophets like a ravening lion. Look at God's question for Judah. Why do you contend with me? The people were complaining, but we see clearly that God was rejecting those complaints. Rather than contending with God, God has all the sovereignty and the right to contend with them. It is Judah that transgressed against God. God even tried to discipline the nation for the years prior, as he promised to do if they forsook him. He tried to bring them back, but this took no correction. The result was that Judah killed the prophets that were speaking the words of God to them. Jesus himself spoke to the persecution of God's prophets in Matthew 23:34. Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that you may come all the righteous so you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah to the son of Bacariah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. That blood guilt was upon them. It was all in an order to silence the voice of conscience. Verse 31 says, And you, O generation, behold the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel or a land of thick darkness? Why then do my people say, We are free, but we will come no more to you? Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. God wants to know how he has failed Israel. God was always where Israel could find them. He was not in a wilderness far away from them or shrouded by thick darkness. In fact, just the opposite. And then they were saying they were free from God was in fact admitting that they were in bondage to sin. True liberty comes from submission to God, not rebellion against him. In John 8:31, we read, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free they answered him we are offspring of abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone which wasn't true how is it that you say you will become free and jesus answered them truly truly i say to you everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin the slave does not remain in the house forever the son remains forever so if the son sets you free you will be free indeed I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. It seems like forgetting God is as unnatural as a married woman not wearing what would be in our modern society a wedding band. Ornaments of the bride in ancient times may have been a sash around the waist indicating marital state. But Judah had forgotten the obligations of the covenant relationship they had with God. Verse 33 says, How well you direct your course to seek love, so that even to wicked women you have taught your ways. In the Old Testament, many times Israel's unfaithfulness and 
unfaithfulness is shown as prostitution in comparison. Now in verse 33, the nation had got so good at harlotry that they were now teaching others the same actions. Verse 34 says, Also on your skirts is found the lifeblood of the guiltless poor. You did not find them breaking in, yet in spite of all these things you say, I am innocent. Surely his anger has turned from me. Behold, I will bring you into judgment for saying, I have not sinned. Judah and Israel had moved so far away from God that they were oppressing the guiltless poor. They had shed innocent blood, even though it wasn't someone breaking into their house, which was legal to protect yourself with, but they were shedding innocent blood in other ways. Look at Josiah's grandfather in 2 Kings 21.16. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another, besides the sin that he made Judah to sin, so they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Their clothing is stained with innocent blood, but Judah insisted that they were innocent. God will judge them for saying that they have not sinned while their clothes were still stained with innocent blood. Verse 36 says, How much you go about changing your way. You shall be put to shame by Egypt as you were put to shame by Assyria. From it too you will come away with your hands on your head. For the Lord has rejected those in whom you trust and you will not prosper by them. Judah had a habit of not trusting God and having some very fluid political loyalties. They certainly were disappointed by having dependence on Assyria. In Second Chronicles 28.16, at that time King Ahaz sent to the king of Assyria for help. For the Edomites had again invaded and defeated Judah and carried away captives. And the Philistines had made raids on the cities in the Shephelah. And the Negeb of Judah had taken Beth Shemesh, Ajalon, Gadaroth, Sako, and its villages, Timnah with its villages, and Gizmo, Gim, Gimzo with its villages, and they settled there. For the Lord humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had made Judah act sinfully and had been very unfaithful to the Lord. So Teglath Pelasar, king of Assyria, came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. For Ahaz took a portion from the house of the Lord and the house of the king and the princess and the princess, and gave tribute to the king of Assyria. But it did not help him. That didn't go well. And we also know in the upcoming siege of Jerusalem by the Babylonians or the Chaldeans, Judah reached out to Egypt for help. That didn't go well either. We'll step ahead real quick in Jeremiah 37, 6. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Thus shall you say to the king of Judah who sent you to me to inquire of me, Behold, Pharaoh's army that came to help you is about to return to Egypt, to its own land, and the Chaldeans shall come back and fight against this city. They shall capture it and burn it with fire. Thus says the Lord, Do not deceive yourselves, saying the Chaldeans will surely go away from us, for they will not go away. For even if you should defeat the whole army of Chaldeans who are fighting against you, and there remained of them only wounded men, every man in his tent, they would rise up and burn this city with fire. Dependence on other nations and no dependence on God was leading them to destruction. In fact, they will be led away as captives with their hands on their heads. Now, nations today still depend on alliances with other nations for safety instead of relying on God. 
But individuals likewise try one religion after another, but will be disappointed, for religion offers no help. Only a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, can provide the security and peace that all people seek. Judah is about to forfeit all of their land. In episode 5, we'll start looking into Jeremiah chapter 3, where God is appealing to through Jeremiah for Judah to return back to him. I hope you will follow season six as we continue to follow the career of Jeremiah and the history around his ministry. Biblical Tapestry is available on Facebook and Instagram, and I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you've discovered something helpful or uplifting. May God bless you and strengthen you for the task he has for all of us.